listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome in to episode number 202. The legendary C-Red had his final match this past weekend, ICW Milwaukee had their Christmas show, and Billy Starks main evented ROH Final Battle versus Athena. Plus, we welcome for the first time former POW Entertainment Commissioner and now the manager of the fearsome faction, The Reckoning, Mr. Chris Hedford. You'll get all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. It's your boy, FTC, Frank the Clown here, and you are listening or doing something with your ears to the Windy City Slam podcast. Frank the Clown's been a guest a couple of times. Will I be a guest again? Well, I don't know. Get the check ready, Mike. (laughs) Attention! Windy City Slam is looking for a few good tag team partners to advertise on Windy City Slam podcast and WindyCitySlam.com. Get your product or service notice with pro wrestling fans. Affordable rates that fit your budget. Message us on Facebook, X, or Instagram, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Hey, this is Trevor Outlaw, but you bozos can address me as you are as rudely, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast, and you can check it out every Tuesday. Oh, wait, I've been on this like five times. I should know this by now. Either way, not getting paid enough for this. Windy City Slam podcast. Check it out on Tuesdays, and you never know when Trevor Outlaw is going to be back. Back here on Windy City Slam podcast. This past weekend, Ring of Honor presented Final Battle this past Friday night, and Athena retains the ROH Women's Championship over local favorite Billy Starks in the main event. Billy Starks, a former second wrestling champion. She's wrestled for several promotions in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. And she's doing some great things now for Ring of Honor. Hell of a match with Athena and a newfound respect between the two competitors. I love both of them. Athena is an awesome person. I got to meet her at Warrior Wrestling a couple years ago and watching Billy over the last couple of years in places like Second Wrestling and Freelance Underground. She's done some great things as well. Great job by Athena and Billy Starks. And a couple of other highlights on this show that caught my eye are them top guys, FTR and Mark Briscoe, defeating the Blackpool Combat Club of Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and Claudio Castagnoli in the Jay Briscoe Memorial Fight Without Honor. And in a match on the pre-show, we had Brian Keith defeating Jack Cartwheel in a Survival of the Fittest Qualifier. Two names that you're going to see and hear a lot from over these next few years. Both accomplished wrestlers, great talents, and terrific to see them getting some great exposure with Ring of Honor. This past Friday night, December the 15th, ICW Milwaukee presented Insane Xmas Party at 
The Bar in West Allis, Wisconsin. And these results and recap, courtesy a friend of the show, High Five Tom of Midwestern Wrestling Roundup. The action starts off with former ICW Midwest champion Chucky Bates looking to get back into title contention as he beat up the Mad Hatter, finishing him off with a Chucky's Edge powerbomb. Then Jared Jacks with Jason Dukes took on Nell Dillinger where the two veterans went tit for tat, but in the end Jax's arch nemesis Marman's music hits to distract Jax and Dillinger gets the roll up. In a match that featured mentor versus student, the Apex athlete CJ Cole defeated Baxter Belafonte with a top rope DDT. Up next in an all-out brawl, Joey the Jet Avalon and former Windy City Slam podcast guest Sierra took on Sean Priest and Gunnar Wicks. And in the end, with some interference by the Mad Hatter and the Spectre Jade Mercer, Priest took off Avalon's head with a lariat and got the pinfall. Next, in the first half main event, the outlaw Zach Hendricks, one half of Country Air, retained his newly won ICW Milwaukee World Championship in a battle with the Spectre Jaden Mercer when Jaden was DQ'd after Gunner Wicks speared the outlaw. Next month, they will go one-on-one in a two-out-of-three-falls match. After intermission, the says crew of Armando Alvarez and Simon says battle the gatekeepers of Yanni GQ and the franchise dysfunction. In the end, Yanni hits the ace crusher on Armando to get the pin, and the gatekeepers are moving up the ranks toward the ICW Tag Team Championships. After that, stablemates Tyler Sullivan, Ethan Matthews, and Bobby V battle for the ICW Midwest title with Val Malone as the referee. Initially, Bobby V ordered a finger poke of doom with him victorious, but Tyler Sullivan would not oblige to that, and after a great back and forth ensued, after all that, Tyler hit the Death Rider DDT on Ethan as Tyler grabs Val's hand and makes the three count as she had been knocked out earlier and needed assistance, so it's one of those things where Val was completely out, and Tyler ended up just taking her unconscious hand and making her do the count even though she wasn't conscious and got the three count so funny stuff there we've seen that spot a few times before in the national promotions and it's always kind of funny to see that after that we had the icw tag team championships with theory of asian unity tau of hua mang and josiah battle the great outdoors of yeti henderson and also turco after months of these two teams fighting Hua Mang misses Yeti Henderson and gets the roll-up for the pin, and TAU are your new ICW Tag Team Champions. Finally, in the main event, ICW mainstay Mo Foley took on ICW Alternative Champion Tommy Trainwreck in Xmas Shenanigans, and Tom tells me he edited the name of that match for public consumption, so I could only imagine what it was actually called. And in the match... It featured Legos, holiday ornaments, and assorted plunder. Tommy powerbombs Mo through a table filled with sharpened candy canes to retain the championship. So thanks once again to High Five Tom for his results and recap of ICW Milwaukee. And also this past weekend, Sunday, December the 17th, Ileana Pro Wrestling presented Captain's Fall at the VFW in Richton Park, the final show of the year for IPW and the final ever match for C-Red in the ring. And this information, courtesy of friend of the show, Pat Ackerman of the Lovely Intoxicated Men. 
So C-Red's final match was a captain's fall inside a steel cage bout four on four, where Damian Gray and the Workhorses defeated C-Red, Marche Rocket, Miles Mercer, and mystery partner TW3. Now, there was a double knockout spot where C-Red did not raise his arm on the third count, and Damian Gray did, awarding the victory to Damian Gray and the Workhorses. And before the show, Red had some remarks about his career. He talked to the crowd a little bit as they were putting the cage together. And afterward, Miles Mercer, Marche Rocket, and TW3 said some things about Red. They all did the Soldier Boy. And Wooly the Bomb Richardson, a longtime ally of C-Red, part of the Soul Touches, was there. And it popped him as well. So thanks to Pat for providing us that information on C-Red's final match. And... C-Red, great in-ring career, also a manager, a commentator, a little bit of everything. Great guy, very nice guy outside the ring. He did some babyface stuff. He did some heel stuff. And what a wonderful career that C-Red had. And hats off to C-Red. And also hats off to Jimmy Blaze and Eric Freedom, who also had their final matches this month. All right, coming up this Friday night, December the 22nd, Fourth Wall Wrestling presents Try Hard. Yes, it is a Christmas show at La Pica Lounge in Milwaukee. Just some of the action featuring four WW Green Jacket match. Armando Alvarez defends against the Apex athlete CJ Cole. Mateo Valentine faces Baxter Belafonte. And you're also going to see former Windy City Slam podcast guest Hartenbauer in action. And... Try Hard, Die Hard, yeah, people with the argument that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, okay, I will agree with that on one condition, Gremlins is also a Christmas movie, and I've heard people say it's not, but it is, the Mogwai, Gizmo himself, is a Christmas present, that constitutes a Christmas movie, that's always been my argument, that's just me and my soapbox about Gremlins, I love that movie, I also love Die Hard. Two great movies. If you want to consider them both Christmas movies, yes. They have to be both considered, not one or the other. So, end that argument right now. And also, although not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday, Saturday, December the 30th, AAW Pro presents Windy City Classic 18 at the Berwyn Eagles Club in Berwyn. 7.30 bell, a live taping at 6.45. We have the AAW Championship where Davey Vega defends against... Jim Lina Memorial Tournament winner, Mance Warner. You'll also see a grudge match between Robert Ego Anthony and Chico Suave, and much more. We'll talk more about that show next week. All right, we welcome for the first time, coming up next, former POW Entertainment Commissioner and Manager of the Reckoning, Chris Hedford. Stay tuned. My name is Storm Grayson. I'm your freelance wrestling world champion, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Broad South in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends 
over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. And you can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. Back here on Windy City Slam Podcast this week. I'm so glad to welcome a first-time guest, former Powell Entertainment Commissioner, and now the manager of the fearsome faction, The Reckoning. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chris Hedford. Chris, how you doing? Good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely, yes. Been a long time coming. We just had your dad on a few weeks ago, and now you're on. So we're going to talk a little bit about Powell Entertainment and how you got into the business. So it's been quite the ride for you in Powell Entertainment. Referee, commissioner, and now a manager. In fact, the 2023 Powell Entertainment Manager of the Year. So let's talk a little bit about how you got into the business. Uh, how did you break in? Yeah, so thank you for acknowledging my accolades there, Mike. I appreciate it since some people don't take it that way or since they don't appreciate it. So, yeah, I I mean, my my father started in the business in 99. And, you know, I myself was born in 94, so I grew up through it, you know. It's 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 been a it's been a wild ride, but yeah, I, I grew up through it. You know, my dad had the uh, on the mats, you know, program that he would do, and um, he would film and go to different promotions around the area, and uh, and do his filming, and he would have his you know uh, weekly TV show that he that was on public access, you know, again on the mat, you know, and that was really the earliest memory that I have is just literally going to different promotions with him and exploring and just you know starting to love the the world of indie professional wrestling so you actually had in-ring training at some point i assume so uh with actual in-ring training no so what it was was back back when i started my my father is the one that actually taught me so he's the one that kind of went through and gave me my training you know and and I'll just state this now, you know, me and my father have our, our differences and everything as it is right now. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more, but you know, he's the big reason why I became a referee. You know, I, I grew up through it again and I officially started refereeing in September of 09. And yeah, there was no official in-ring training. You know, it was more of just, you know, knowing what my father did, watched him, you know, in the ring himself. And I kind of just, uh, I went, I went along with it um, with, you know, just uh, some knowledge that I had just kind of watching too. Now being a referee, how long did it take you to kind of like get the sense of where guys were going to be going in the ring, like moving around and kind of staying out of their way, do stuff like that? With the training and watching as much as I did, I had a feel for it. Trust me, I, I'm, I'm not perfect. I was never perfect and I still don't, you know, believe that I'm a perfect referee, but it took time to really understand the psychology aspect of it, especially when it comes to in-ring and understanding the flow of, of, of things. And it didn't happen overnight. I'll tell you that. It was a lot of watching back what I was doing, getting critique and, you know, feedback from other referees, my dad, you know, and other people um, within, you know, within wrestling. But yeah, it, it took, I would say within, I don't know, maybe one, two years, I really felt 
comfortable in the ring, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then obviously your man, your refereeing run kind of wound down and you became the commissioner of power entertainment. So how did that come up? Yeah. So, you know, again, I started refereeing back in 09, going back through my memory and the dates and everything. I kind of had a run until 2018, somewhere around there, you know, mostly within Gali, Underground, Pro Wrestling Blitz, POW, uh, even thinking way back to like Vanguard. So that was the time that I actually was officially in the ring. And it was here and there. It wasn't a full consistent, you know, nine years that I was doing it, you know, just because at that time, you know, I was still trying to figure out my my life, what I wanted to do, still growing up, as you can say, too, because this has been part of my life pretty much the whole time. So, but yeah, 09 to 2018 is kind of when I had that run. I went back to Power Entertainment was technically 2016 is when I started doing some stuff with Jimmy and Powell. That's when my dad uh, actually went back to to Powell um, himself. And then I kind of went back and started doing some things. So yeah, it was uh, 2016 when I did some refereeing stuff with uh, with Powell. And then 2018 is actually when I officially started the commissioner role within Powell Entertainment. Now, being the commissioner, I'm sure it was a bit of a thankless job dealing with all these different personalities and rule breakers. Uh, Joey Roth is someone that comes to mind in terms of having to deal with somebody for that. And, you know, wh- whoever else you might have had to uh, kind of deal with in terms of uh, different types of personalities and rule breakers and such. Right. So, you know, with the commissioner role, you know, I wanted to expand my horizons. You know, I wanted to kind of dabble in something different. I was feeling I don't want to say burnt out from being a referee, but I wanted to I wanted to do something different. Jimmy Blaze at the time gave me the opportunity to to be able to step into this. Um, and a- actually, at that time, there was a board of directors. I was it was like a interim into the board of directors type of role. So it wasn't actually like commissioner at that time mm-hmm. um, that came a little bit later. But yeah, I, you know, I, I spoke to to Jimmy. And I wanted a, a different opportunity, something that I can try to dabble in. And, and a couple of things happened and, you know, and that started. So, yeah, And speaking of things happening, uh, that yeah. commission role sort of expired itself out. And then you weren't seen yep. very much around power entertainment until you reemerged a few months ago with the reckoning. And in just a short time, Chris Hedford has people talking about the reckoning who have quickly become a dominant faction in power entertainment you've got the power entertainment midwest champion acid jazz tyler sullivan jason dukes logan Steele, and sean price it's quite the collection of talent yeah no it definitely is going back to the commissioner role seeing the the good the bad the ugly of the locker room per se and you know as you brought up like Joey Roth, you know, it, you got to see these different characters. You got to see these different people. And, you know, the commissioner role lasted until it was uh, Russell Rage 20, I believe. And that was in uh, November of 22 when I officially um, ended that. And, you know, I was I, I had some issues because I, I had some some problems within Power Entertainment and which led one thing to another, and I was slowly taken out of that role. Let's just say that the some vengeance on my side, some I had some things I needed to take care of, 
and clearly I wasn't being appreciated. So, which led to the the manager uh, role that I kind of signed myself into after the commissioner role ended. So, some people want to say that it's manipulating the system. Some people want to say that um, you know it was you know a, a, a poor thing for me to do. But you know what? I uh, I didn't feel appreciated, and I wanted to do something different. So, I'm, I'm making my own story. Maybe it's kind of a suppressed anger, so to speak. Yeah, you can you can say that. You know, I uh, be, being in that commissioner role, you deal with a lot of things, you see a lot of people, and you see a lot of things. And after everything I did, um, and after everything I went through, to not feel appreciated can kind of turn a little sour. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what happened with me. But now, leading the reckoning, you know, w- with this group, this group, as I can say, is one of the most, how do I say it here? I would say that the, the group is the, like, most collective group of talented individuals on the roster today. That's how I would, I would describe it, the reckoning. Because they're not a team, we're a faction. Tyler Sullivan, Sean Priest, they've been making their mark as a tag team. But as a faction ourselves, we're almost unstoppable. Yeah, and there's a lot of great talent in power. You have the new heavyweight champion in Kazal. Jimmy and Eric yes, just sir. kind of backed up. They're retiring. But you have guys like Mason Perks and Mateo Valentine and Moondog Murray and even guys coming in on occasion like Axel Rico, who we'll get into in just a few minutes. So what's it like kind of dealing with all that different talent? I mean, right now, you know, with with the manager, you know, being the manager of the Reckoning and doing what we're doing currently, I I appreciate everybody that puts in the work. But I have goals. The Reckoning has goals. And nobody's going to stop us. It doesn't matter if it's Axel Rico. doesn't matter if it's Mason Perks. doesn't matter who it is. We have goals in mind, and we're going to take those. So Acid Jazz won the Midwest Championship at Russell Rage 21 last month. And this was just after Eric Freedom had defeated Tommy McCobb to win the title. But the reckoning attacked Freedom, and then Jazz cashed in the key that you from the key master, and you were the key master at that point. And he became the new champion. So my thing is, it's one thing to use the key to cash in because that's the stipulation. But was it necessary for an attack on freedom before that cash in? So there's been a lot of speculation and a lot of talks about this, you know. And as you mentioned, Mike, yes, I am the key master. So for anybody that doesn't know, that gives me three opportunities that I can cash in for any championship, anytime, anywhere, does not matter. And uh, regardless of what everybody's thinking of the attack on Eric Freedom or that that was uh, a, a bad choice on my end, put yourself in my shoes. I have goals. We have goals. Acid Jazz is the one that technically won those keys, mm-hmm. but they were given to me. So my way of paying him back for those is that title. So I was going to do anything necessary to make sure I got him that championship that he definitely deserves. My question is with the keys now, is that something that only has a certain amount of time to be used or do you, do you have like an infinite amount of time? So they they do have an expiration date. The the cure, the keys run 
for a year time frame. So the keys were won back at Summer Explosion um, back in June, and that is when they will expire, which then will be, uh, I believe, June of 2024. So let's just say that 2024 is going to be quite a busy year for the Reckoning and myself. So you basically have five and a half months left to use those remaining keys for the heavyweight championship and for the tag team championship as they come along. So your strategy in using the keys, you just have to wait for the most opportune time, I assume. Absolutely. We're going to take advantage of anything possible. And, you know, back at WrestleRage, it doesn't matter if it was Eric Freedom. It wouldn't matter if it was Tommy McCobb. It doesn't matter if it was Mason Perks. Anybody in that situation would have done exactly the same thing. They would have cashed in that key, took that opportunity, and ran with it. And that's what I did. Now to get a little bit into the situation with your dad, Nick H., he was a guest right here at Whitney City Slayer Podcast within the last few weeks. And he had mentioned how proud of he was of you accomplishing what you're accomplishing. But he's kind of a little literary about some of the choices you've been making as a manager. And at Rage Reaction, you and your father got into a confrontation where it got a little physical and you ended up low blowing him. So what's going on there? Uh, yes. So I'm glad you brought this up, Mike. So my father doesn't like the way that I'm doing things. He doesn't like the way that I'm carrying myself. He doesn't like what I'm doing. And frankly, I can care less. He keeps referring back to his time as a manager, what he always did. And for anybody that knows him, he was the notorious Nicholas H. Mm -hmm. And he didn't get that nickname for being nice. He didn't get that nickname for being a go-to person. He got that because he was notorious. He got that because he made things happen. And he was a damn good manager. Now, frankly, regardless of what he's saying, what everybody else is saying, I am making my own path. And I don't care if the Pal fans don't like it. I don't care if my father doesn't like it. I'm going to do whatever means necessary to carve myself a section in professional wrestling. The reckoning will be known in professional wrestling. Hetford name will be known because of me, not Nicholas H, but because of me. That's a big statement right there. Sure is. Regarding the low blow, Mike, I posted a picture online where my father was yelling at me, finger in face, yelling at me. Mm -hmm. And everybody's telling me that I'm the monster in the situation, right? But who really is? And, you know, after he said his words to me and told me that I was a disgrace to the Hetford family... Well, that's where that low blow might have happened. And regardless, though, Mike, I uh, I don't regret anything that happened. And if my father has an issue, he can address it with me directly. Yeah, you're not that chubby little kid anymore. Uh, you've made some waves here in recent years and months. Yes, you can say that. I Again, I am carving my name in professional wrestling. And it's going to be because of my actions, because of what I do and what I do for the reckoning. Because those five guys are what matter. Nobody else matters. And now turning the page, you're going to be busy at Pow Entertainment's first show of the new year entitled New Year's Beatings. And that's Saturday night, January the 6th at the American Legion Post 703 up in Fox Lake. And Acid Jazz will be defending his newly won Pow Entertainment Midwest Championship versus Johnny GQ and Axel Rico in a triple threat match. So right off the bat, it's uh, 
kind of a tough title defense in a triple threat match where he doesn't even have to lose to lose the title. Yeah, you're right, Mike. Um, You know, thanks for pointing that out. And, you know, the board of directors made this match. After the little issue with my father back in Fox Lake, it was brought to my attention by the board of directors that this match was going to happen. And Asa Jazz was going to put his title on the line, which is perfectly fine because he will be a defending champion on our terms. But to make it a triple threat, one, with Axel Rico, that one hasn't been around. I know he has had an injury. And oh well, but um, you know, for somebody that one doesn't deserve a, sh- a title shot, and then GQ on the other hand that just recently came back to Power Entertainment that doesn't deserve a title shot are now getting one against Acid Jazz. So I think the cards definitely stacked against us, but the reckoning will pull through, and I will make sure that Acid Jazz walks out of, on Saturday as champion still. And Acid Jazz, he's a veteran. He's a crafty cat. He knows how to get things done, uh, regardless of what it takes. That is absolutely right. Him being a, a veteran of the Windy City, you know, the you know Windy City Championship Wrestling, uh, he knows his way around a wrestling ring. And uh, yeah, Acid Jazz is one that I wanted within our group because of his history, because of his talents. And, uh, yeah, he's going to show everybody why he is the Midwest champion. And then also on that show, The Reckoning will challenge the Irish Pub Army for the Power Entertainment Tag Team Championships. And this has been a little thing that's been going on for the last couple of months. There was the triple thread over at Russell Rage where the Brothers of Instruction won. And then IPA defeated them just a couple weeks ago to regain the championships. And now you guys are going to get another shot at those titles. So talk a little bit about that opportunity. Correct. Uh, So with the Irish pub army, they wanted to interrupt the little scuffle between me and my father. Just as I was about to put an end to old Nicholas H, um, they stormed the ring and and saved him. So, yeah, we we have a little, little bit of a problem. And they wanted to issue a challenge then to me to try to teach me a lesson. And frankly, I think it was a dumb decision on their part. But... Regardless, the Reckoning will be there, and they will get those tag team titles from IPA. Now, I'm not going to say who it's going to be from the Reckoning. That's going to be facing IPA. It could be Tyler Sullivan. It could be Sean Priest. It could be Logan Steele. It it could be any one of them. You won't know until the day of the show. Pretty good strategy right there. (laughs) You know, they want to come out. They want to stick their nose in my business. We're going to show why that was a bad decision on their end. Now, once again, New Year's beating Saturday, January the 6th at the American Legion Post 703 in Fox Lake. Also on this show, you're going to see Eric Freedom and Jimmy Blaze on hand for autographs and pictures. You're going to see The Hot Seat with host Nicholas H. And his guest, the new Power Entertainment champion, Kazile. Also, you're going to see It's Your Boy, Mason Perks versus Mateo Valentine. And in a great women's match, you're going to see Maggie Lee versus Shelly the Bombshell. That should be a lot of fun. And then you're going to have Trog the Caveman versus Tommy McCobb. And you're going to see Axel O'Brien taking on frontman Jay Scott in a grudge match. And Tiny will be in the corner of Jay Scott after Tiny and O'Brien had a falling out when Tiny turned on O'Brien. And you're also going to see the Brothers of Funstruction, the up-and-coming hot superstar Rafael Quintero, and a veteran Hunter Payne. So it's an action-packed car coming to POW on January the 6th. 
It sure is. You know, and uh, yeah, the the reckoning will not disappoint. Uh, Pounder team, it never fails to disappoint when it comes to the locker room, to the matches. And yeah, the, the reckoning is going to walk out with all the gold that night, I'll tell you that. And because I will be there as part of Nicholas H's hot seat. So do you think maybe there's a chance one of those kids could come dangling out to cash in for that shot? You know, Mike, never say never. You know, I, uh, I'm i not going to give away too many of my secrets here, but, um, you know, Kazile has a big target on his back now. Congratulations to him for gaining that, that heavyweight championship, but it's going to be a lot of responsibility for him to keep that. And there's going to be a, there's a lot of targets on his back now. So, Kazile, all I'm going to say is you better watch out. And also in UWE, based in Cadillac, Michigan, that's Eric Freedom's promotion, you manage the conflict crew, Tommy McCobb and Mass Marauders. So Chris Hedford has his irons in the fire in multiple areas. That's right. Um, thanks for bringing that up, Mike, because, you know, outside of Pound Entertainment, UWE is another one of my home promotions. So Pow and UWE are, are definitely my homes. It's definitely something outside of POW, so there's definitely no intertwine with that. Eric Freedom gave me the opportunity when I was POW commissioner to be the temporary general manager up there when they, they needed some help. That also turned sour, which led to me resurrecting the conflict crew. For anybody that knows their history, my father ran the the conflict crew. He was the manager within the conflict crew when uh, it was within CCW and Power Entertainment. I took that upon myself to resurrect up in Michigan, and it's been one one hell of a ride. Now, you've been manager for only a fairly short time, so what managers in wrestling do you consider inspirations? I would definitely say Bobby Heenan, Heenan especially, because, you know, Heenan, he just knew what he was doing. He knew how to get under people's skin. He knew how to talk. My my attention was always drawn to him when it came to whenever he was doing interviews, whenever he was out, you know, at ringside, you know, so Heenan definitely, I, I like to say, I like to refer to my guys as like the Hedford family, just like Bobby Heenan did with the Heenan family. So that's a little tie in to him. But yeah, Heenan for sure would be my, my top my top manager that I, I kind of go to for some inspiration. Bobby Heenan was the best, whether it was ringside sure as was. manager or on commentary with Gorilla Monsters. Yes. Great stuff. Absolutely. Got to meet him at Pro Wrestling Blitz, I believe in was 16 or 17 and Joliet. And he was such a joy to meet, even though the cancer have obviously deteriorated some of his features, but he was still awesome to meet, even some of his reactions to you, even though he couldn't really talk much. It was just gold to meet that guy. And I, I'm just so happy that I was able to do that before he passed. Yes, absolutely. I, I never had the opportunity to meet him, you know, so th that is definitely a bummer. But, you know, his his legacy definitely lives on with, within wrestling, and it always will. Yes. Now, you've done a bit of almost everything in this business. So what are your long-term goals at this point? Oh, good question, Mike. You know, I, I like to look into the future. I like to have a plan, but I'm also one that has now started taking things day by day, you know, and with taking things day by day, I really have been focusing on my career, taking care of the reckoning, taking care of my guys and focusing on the now. Big term goals, though, 
honestly, I, I don't know. From from here, maybe taking over Pound Entertainment. Like I, I love Jimmy Blaze to death. You know, we butted heads. You know, and uh, things didn't work out the best when the commissioner role ended. But you know, maybe uh, maybe it's time for myself to look into uh, maybe taking over Pound Entertainment. Looking at the big picture, looking at something big for the reckoning here. We'll see. All right, Chris, before we let you go, why don't you go ahead and share your social media? If you have any merchandise for yourself or the reckoning coming down the pipeline and upcoming events. Yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned it, Mike, the next show that I will be at will be January 6th, right back in Fox Lake for New Year's beatings. You know, myself on Facebook, uh, it's just Chris Hedford for UWE pro wrestling specifically. I do have a fan page, which is under Mr. Christopher Hedford. So you can find all of the UWE um, information there. I also do have Instagram. Same thing with Instagram. It's Chris Hedford um, as my regular page, more pound entertainment wise for that information. And also then uh, Mr. Christopher Hedford on Instagram for anything UWE related. I do have a, a shop on Pro Wrestling Tees. So you can get all of the Conflict Crew merchandise there. And uh, in the works with some Reckoning merchandise as we speak. So more to come with that. Chris Heffer, thank you for coming on the show. And we'll be watching your managerial career in the months and years to come. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you for everything you do. And love the podcast. Thanks again. All right. Great interview with Chris Hedford. Kind of cool to see a second generation guy get his feet wet in the business over the last few years and do a bunch of different things. And now he actually has a prime position as a top manager in Power Entertainment. So very, very excited for the future of Mr. Chris Hedford. All right. Next week, we're going to preview AAW Windy City Classic and a lot of other stuff as well. Plus, we welcome a guest to be determined. We're still trying to figure that out. But we're going to have somebody for sure that can catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody.